Good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, December 10th, and I'm glad you could join us today, whether you're listening up in Virginia on the Lighthouse, in Meridian, Mississippi on WMER, in Georgia, up in Folkestone on uh, The Truth, or here in uh, St. Augustine or Jacksonville on WTRJ. We're so glad you joined us today. SWAT, by the way, stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. Thursday's our guest day, and uh, I'm excited because we have a warrior here. He is. I have seen him in battle. We were in the Marine Corps together, and uh, we have uh, served in ministry together. I've taken this brother with me to uh, Russia, and uh, we have gone to Israel together, and we have got to experience a lot together. And I am very excited to have. Uh, what you fin- did you get out as a captain? I did. Captain Joe Cochran, U.S. Marine Corps, in the studio. How you doing, Joe? Doing great. Happy to be here with you, Doug. Glad to be here. This is a special day. I think I told you, but 37 years ago, today, my wife, Lori, said, I do, to being with me for the rest of her life. And she has held to that, and it has not been an easy task. And so, happy anniversary, Lori. Uh, I am so grateful for you, and uh, Joe has known us a long time, so he knows the problems I've caused you, and that you've stayed loyal uh, in spite. And so, what do you think about that, Joe? She's she should get some kind of medal or something. Well, I, I think she should. That, that's one thing you and I have in common, Doug, is that uh, we both married way uh, way above ourselves. Yeah, we we outkicked our coverage for sure, we didn't did. we? Oh, uh, yes. On that, but uh, I am very grateful. And the day before we got married, I got commissioned. So I got commissioned December 9th in uh, 1983. And then uh, as a lieutenant in the Marine Corps, we had a military wedding. In fact, the former commandant of the Marine Corps, Jim Amos, who was uh, General Amos, was in my wedding. He was in the sword brigade. You know how they do the sword brigade there? Oh, yes. So uh, we got married in 1983 and uh, i'm very grateful but joe i'm so glad you could join us today it was kind of a treat because you just called me and said hey i'm going to be in town and we were going to get together and i said i would love to have you as a guest well you go well, what does that mean and i said well we're just going to get on and talk and so i want people to hear your story of uh how god took you and brought you into himself and then now has used you and now you've got kids that have grown up precious kids that love the Lord because what God did in your life. Isn't that kind of cool to look back on and think how that happened? Oh, it's, it's incredible done. I mean, you think about, especially Abigail, uh, Joe's, Joe's family and ours have, we've known each other a long time and we used to vacation together and uh, we used to go to my, uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law's Lake place and Joe would bring his boat and his kids. We'd go out on an island, and we'd just sit around and talk and have fun and sting, sing stupid songs. And that shark song, I'll never forget that stupid <laughs> shark, 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 or whatever it is. And uh, But, yeah, it was good. But, you know, Joe, when you look at your daughters or your son, Seth, and you see the fact that they love the Lord, and you think back 
to where you were at their stage of life right now. It didn't start off that way for you, did it, where they were? No, it it really didn't. It, it, I guess to answer that first question is uh, I just see God's grace and mercy uh, there that um, he's, he's gifted um, the gift of faith to my kids uh, at a very early age. Uh, I didn't become a believer till uh, my last six months in the Marine Corps uh, when I met Doug. Uh, I just started having uh, big questions, uh, you know, the big questions people have in life. You know, why am I here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And uh, the world was not answering those questions for me in a satisfactory way. I, my my heart was still empty. And uh, I started having a few questions, and Doug was kind of like the uh, the shell answer man in, the, in our uh, in our squadron. And uh, I started asking him a, a few meaning of life type questions. And uh, being the evangelist that he is, uh, the conversation uh, quickly went to the Lord Jesus. Well, I, I still remember a lot of those conversations, Joe. And I remember that early on, I, I wasn't doing a very good job. Because I was so dead set on convincing you of the importance of Jesus and and kind of I wanted it so bad that I, I kind of, you know, I, I kept getting frustrated because I couldn't get you to take the bait. You know, I was trying to, but I probably wasn't using the right lures because uh, because I remember we went on a cross country to Pensacola and I was so frustrated because I really thought, okay, here's my big opportunity to share the gospel with Joe, because I've been praying for you. In fact, before we came on air today, I took you and I showed you a book. And Lori, uh, I know Lori's listening. Lori and I went through Evangelism Explosion, which was a training program. It's kind of like a training and discipleship to to share the gospel with people. And it was really one of the first ones we ever experienced. And so the guy said, I want you to think about three or four people that you think will never come to Christ. Write their names down. Start praying. Well, Joe's name's on that list with another pilot. And I've never showed Joe that, but I showed his name on there. And I was convinced that this trip to Pensacola was it. And when I got down there, I was so frustrated because you didn't give me one um, one access road to come in and share the whole weekend. It's like every time I try to bring something up, you would divert. It would be a divert <laughs> after divert, divert. And I'm just like, okay, okay. I, I just, this is ridiculous. And then you asked me in the ready room one day, you said, Hey, scary. What do you think about Nostradamus? I don't even know if you remember asking me. Yeah, that. I, I do remember that. Do you, because a lot of stuff was going on with the Middle East because of Desert Storm and, or the potential of Desert Storm. I don't even know if Desert Storm had happened at that point. And you asked that question, and that led us to have some conversations that God was orchestrating, not me. And, uh, you know, when you think about those end-of-life questions or end-of-earth questions or just general purpose-in-life questions— I think we all have them, don't we, Joe? Oh, I, I, I think we do. I mean, we're um, created after uh, his image, uh, whether, we, um, whether we're in Christ or not. And, and it, it's, uh, we, we know there's something out there. It's uh, just a matter of whether or not uh, the gracious Lord uh, opens our heart and mind and eyes to, to see and believe it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you know, I found out later 
in life as my kids have gotten older that there's a lot of stories that my kids don't even know about me, like how God worked in my life. Or do your kids know how this happened? I mean, how God got a hold of you and drew you in? Have you shared that with them as adults? Do they know? I have, and you know, of course, they've we've vacationed with your family in the past, so so they know you personally, and and they know those stories. So, oh yeah, they've they're they're very familiar. Well, it's a blessing to know, you know, like I had the opportunity to go home and talk to my mother and father recently and thank them for building that in. And I think people take for granted that because that they have parents that do that, like your kids have really what you didn't have, right? Yes. I mean, because your father wasn't a guy who's going to sit down and open up the Bible with you. No, no, he was not. And that, that was kind of, from my memory was a little bit of a hurdle for you because I mean, that was your dad and you loved your dad, right? I mean, you had a good relationship with your dad. I I, I had a very good relationship with my dad. Uh, My, my parents divorced when I was uh, young. It's in the second grade. uh, But we would spend time together often, uh, every wednesday night and then uh, weekends till of course we got in high school and wanted to hang out with our other friends yeah uh but uh unfortunately there, there was there was no uh no spiritual instruction or, or pointing to jesus and you know that that was you know doug well that that that, that was one of my the obstacles i had it's like well what's where is my dad right now and, well yeah and, we were in the oak club i yeah. don't know if you remember the conversation yes but- we sat, I remember it like it was yesterday, probably just because we've known each other and we stayed in touch, but we were in the O Club and and you remember that conversation. You asked, what, what about my dad? Yeah. And, and, you know, I love my dad. He loved me. Uh, but, uh, it was, it's one of those things where I had to just, uh, realize and, and rely on the, uh, the goodness of God, um, wherever he is. And, and I'm, I'm not going to make, make that judgment. Uh, uh, but uh, wherever he is, uh, it's God's good, and he's just and righteous, and um, that's that's where my comfort lies. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you remember exactly, uh, but I remember uh, the the conversation when we got there, taking you to a passage of Scripture where Jesus was talking about Lazarus. I didn't have my Bible there, but I was telling you the story that when Jesus told uh, uh, about Lazarus and the rich man that the rich man wanted to go warn his brothers. Mm. Yes. And I told you, I said, you know, if your dad, whether he's a believer or not, whatever he is, not, he would want you to be because where he is now, he knows the truth. Yes. One way or the other. And, and so when we come back, I want to pick up on that and talk about that. Because that is a barrier for a lot of people. And um, and even maybe you could share how you work through that. So I'm so glad you're with us today, Joe. We're going into our first break. We're going to be right back with more of Joe Cochran, former U.S. Marine Corps pilot extraordinaire. And now he uh, flies for an airline, but I won't tell you which one because uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want it. But he, he's an airline pilot, and he's a good one. Been doing that for a long time, too. So we're going to be right back on SWAT Radio. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you after the break. Stay tuned. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. 
That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Please have snow. And presents on the tree. Christmas Eve. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. I hope that Christmas music kind of gets you into a, a mood for celebrating the birth of our king. Uh, Joe got a chance to go to Israel with me. Wasn't it cool seeing the shepherd's fields out there, man, and outside of Bethlehem? Wasn't that awesome? It, 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 was, it was an incredible trip. It's hard to believe it's been, what, a, a bit over three years since we went. It seems like yesterday. Yeah, it I does. Mean, it really does. But at Christmas time, for some reason, I guess because we used to go in November, uh, and it was about that time of year, but just to – see those fields to think that the king of all creation the one who created the heavens and the earth chose to come and that was the area we know that it was in that area somewhere it's just something special about it i mean and it's hard to convey i tried to talk to you before you went and explain it but it's one of those things you just have to see in it uh it it really is and uh you know jerusalem was was fantastic there were there were many wonderful sights that we saw but uh, i think the one that that just really still rings uh, to me is is uh, uh just visiting uh there at the the north end of the the sea of galilee there where uh where christ walked where he um uh, there's there's a uh, a synagogue there and and there were uh, there's actually two synagogues built on that site but uh, you can see the foundation of the first synagogue. Uh, You're just talking a, about Capernaum. Capernaum, yeah. just just a uh, uh, just the the very bottom part. But that was the uh, foundation for the synagogue that was there when Jesus uh, uh, taught, when he performed miracles uh, in that in that very place. And just I don't know, maybe what is it, a hundred meters south of there, uh, the Peter's home is. Yes. And and right there along the uh, the the, uh, the Sea of Galilee is where uh, Jesus recruited his uh, first four uh, disciples, uh, and it just 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 to 
see those places and to stand where Jesus stood uh, as a man and, and to realize that, that this man was not just a man, but he was, he was the agent of creation. Uh, it, it was, it was just a, uh, a li- I hate to use the word life changing because that's, that gets so overblown, but it, it, it was incredibly impactful and it, and it still uh, affects the way I, I read scripture. Now it's even more alive than it was before because I've been to those places. I, I know how, far it is uh uh from the mount of olives across the kidron valley to the temple mount you, you know if you have a good arm you could you could almost <laughs> throw a rock across uh but but you kidron wouldn't valley. think that when you read it no though. no and so it, the the one thing that really impacted me about going over there was how compacted everything was it took place in a very relatively small area or sphere yes you know and um and so i i was so glad you and angela got to go over there with us but you also got to go to russia with me and uh and georgia we went into the republic of georgia not georgia the state that's right we went to batumi if i remember right we did and uh i you know before you went over there had you ever gone on a mission trip before no that that was my my first uh mission trip and i remember uh what what were some things that impacted you about going over to Russia and Georgia and just doing something for the guys out there who've never done anything like that, uh, who say, you know what, I can serve God right here. Why would I need to go do something like that? Talk a little bit about the impact that had just to opening your eyes up to what's happening in the world. Well, I, I grew up pretty small town, actually really small town, a small town in, in South Texas. And uh, I think I'd only been out of the state of Texas one time uh, before I went off to officer candidate school in uh, Virginia. And uh, to get to go to, to Moscow and then to uh, the Republic of Georgia was just, uh, you know, uh, a bit out of my comfort zone, as they say. And uh, probably one of the most impactful things was we had a, a guide there in uh, Moscow. And this wasn't long after the Iron Curtain came down. And the uh, Russian society and the Russian culture was still trying to adjust to this new normal. And it, and it did not sound like they were doing a very good job of it. This, this young woman uh, said that if you weren't a criminal or if you weren't rich, you were better off under communist rule than you are now. And I think that just gave me an appreciation for uh, a much greater appreciation for where I, where I live, where I'm from and, and, this country and and the the grace and mercy the lord has shown in uh, this country what do you think would happen if all these young people who are 20 to 30 who are protesting and think this is such a terrible country went and spent about two years in moscow oh, I, I, don't, I don't think it would take them two years get get maybe two weeks yeah. i think people take for granted what we have here for sure yeah. Do you remember, Joe, what happened in Georgia? I don't know if you do. Oh, are you talking about the... Uh, when we went to the bread place, the place that had the most awesome bread in the world, and we're it was that great restaurant, we're looking around and like, why is nobody here? Because yes. this is such good food. Well, remember what happened? Oh, I, I do. I, I, I don't remember the the all the details. I, I just knew there was a, a relatively... Uh, high chance that we might get caught in some kind of crossfire <laughs> <laughs> well there had been an uh, either an assassination plot or an attempt a day or two earlier on the president of georgia at that time 
and we didn't find out about it till we finished our meal and we're looking around and we we see nobody there and this food at this restaurant was incredible it's supposed to be one of the best restaurants in that part that part of town and we're just wondering why nobody was there and we asked and they said oh there was an assassination plot or attempt on the president uh, a day earlier <laughs> and we just look at each other and you know talk a little bit about it was there opportunities for your faith to really be stretched while you were over there oh of course there was yeah <laughs> i just doug and our share a lot of things but uh, organization ain't one of them well i'm not the most organized person in the world but but i like to plan the plan execute the plan and and have everything go according to plan doug is is shall we say a little more flexible than i am and uh, there were a couple of our uh, traveling connections and arrangements that that I, I don't know how it all worked out well there there was one time i remember we and I remember you, you were stressed about like, what were we going to do? How are we going to get there? We were supposed to make a flight, if I remember right, either it may have been, I think it was a flight and our driver Valentine was taking us, yes. but the president was going somewhere. So they blocked off all the roads to keep people from traveling on the road where the president was. And we, there was literally physically no way we were going to make it we just saw i mean as you said we're not going to make it unless god wants us to make it but somehow we made it didn't we yeah uh, i'll just say that, that valentine uh <laughs> resorted to some pretty um adventurous uh, driving techniques and skills as well as uh, stopping a couple of times getting out of the vehicle and yelling at people in, in russian for them to move their cars out of the way so we could get through I don't know how many curbs we we hopped and uh, and and we we still barely got. I mean, we got to the airport about thirty minutes, even with all that, thirty minutes before our our flight. And I didn't think, you know, it's like this thing. I need that two hours, man. I'm a two hour kind of guy. But uh, you but know, God said no. You got thirty minutes. That's right. right. You know, and and it, being in the Marine Corps, you know, well, you and I both trained that that was our enemy. Russia was the sure. primary threat that sure. we faced. Absolutely. Was it kind of enlightening for you to go meet the people of Russia and go over there? Or did that change Did that change your view to go over there and see them at all? I mean, from what you had thought about them before? Oh, sure. It, it, it took them to being this faceless enemy that, you know, we're prepared to, to go into combat against to, hey, these are, these are people that, you know, have, uh, Real needs, real hurts, real joys that laugh, cry. Uh, they're just uh, part of part of humanity. Well, they are. And that was for me, I mean, to realize that God called me from taking bullets and bombs to this place, to taking Bibles mm. and the gospel. And, you know, you uh, had never gone on a mission trip, and it, to my knowledge, if I remember right, you had not really done a lot of public speaking about your faith or your testimony at that point, had you? I don't no, think. no, uh, I hadn't. So you had an opportunity over in Georgia, and I'm not sure if Russia, but for sure in Georgia, I know, to share with people. Yes. What What was that like for you? Well, it it, it was challenging just to begin with because you know I, I had you know I was uh, still new in my faith and. Uh, not used to sharing it in a public way, much less using a, uh, a an interpreter <laughs> yeah. to, to, to 
to share this, but uh, it was it was an uh, incredible experience. Yeah, it was it was it was so fun for me to see you be stretched faith wise, both in the travel arrangements <laughs> for your own things, uh, just dealing with your own. Uh, th- basically, what we have is we do have control mechanisms we like to keep in place. And what God wants a lot of times is us to get outside of those so that we have faith. I was talking to a guy the other day, Joe, and, you know, we were talking about how is faith put on display if we're not put in positions that demand faith? Mm -hmm. How do we show the world that we really believe in a God that can do anything, anytime, anyplace, when we try to control everything within our own power? And I think our culture kind of promulgates that, don't you, a little bit? Oh, it it definitely does. But the, the interesting thing about what we're going through, not only as a nation, but I guess as a world with this COVID thing, uh, you see uh, relationships being stretched and, ch- and challenged uh, or destroyed. But I had uh, I had uh, breakfast with a, a good Christian brother uh, uh, about a week and a half ago, and uh, he just he he had a, a quote that just it's it's not a quote scripture or anything but there's incredible theology underneath it if you think about it and it's and it goes like this he says things aren't falling apart they're falling into place mm-hmm. and as i as i chewed on that and thought about it for a while it's like yeah you know things you know what we're seeing with our eyes and and what's happening in the world around us yeah there's there's a lot of challenges there but but god is in control and he is good, and he is sovereign. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, sometimes we think, does he know what he's doing? You know, I mean, <laughs> I know that sounds presumptuous yeah. oh, and yeah. arrogant, but that's, in essence, what we think a lot of times. So, hey, well, when we come back, I want to talk, I want to go back to conversations in the Marine Corps when you actually said, okay, God, I'm all in with you, and what that looked like initially for you. Because you didn't just all of a sudden become part of an evangelical church. God led you through a process, and I want to talk a little about that. Hey, you're listening to uh, Doug McCary of His Light Ministries on SWAT Radio. I've got Joe Cochran, my good buddy from South Carolina, who was a Marine Corps pilot friend of mine, and we're Marines forever together. And I appreciate him being here. And we're going to be sharing more of his story and more of SWAT Radio when we come back after this break. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So thankful that you guys are listening today. Listen, if you want to listen to this 
or any past program, you can go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. You can also message us at Facebook or Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk and hope Instagram too. Hopefully, we're going to be moving to Parlor and Rumble soon. I just have not accomplished that yet, but <laughs> my goal is to because we've actually been censored some on Facebook uh, because of ads. And so not a big fan of Facebook and Twitter right now because of everything going on. I, st- I encourage you, if you're listening, by the way, call your congressman, write your congressman or senator, let them know that you don't want Twitter, Facebook to be monopolies, uh, Amazon, Google, all those people. We don't want monopolies. Uh, That's why there's antitrust lawsuits right now. I think 47 states have now joined to say, no, we don't want that kind of power wielded by people like Facebook and Twitter, especially, you know, people, uh, regardless of your political persuasion, Facebook and Twitter do not like Christian beliefs. I say that again very clearly. They are not big proponents of Christian thought. Uh, They will allow it as long as it doesn't interfere. But pretty soon we may see hate speech there, Joe. What do you think about that? You think uh, they're going to censor us like they are political speech? Oh, I I think it's trending that way uh, quite a lot. And uh, and it, it really shouldn't be a surprise to us. Yeah, Jack Dorsey, the the head of Twitter, looks like he's part of Osama bin Laden's clan. Have you seen him lately? <laughs> no. He looks, I mean, he's got this big long beard, and he kind of looks like strung out, so I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me. I probably shouldn't have uh, made that assessment. But anyway, I want to get back to your story, and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, when you felt God saying, Joe, you're mine. I want you to live like you're mine. I remember if I, I could be wrong, and you can correct me. I I remember you coming up to me one day and telling me I did it or something along those lines, like I'm in or something. And I was kind of bummed, to be honest, because I wanted to lead you in the prayer. I wanted to kind of direct you and help you. And I think you just did it. You said, I'm in. And, and, and uh, uh, what happened? Tell me what happened, because I can't remember. My mind's a little shady on what happened. Well, it's – I think it's a little bit different than that, Doug. If, All right, well, tell but, me. But, you know, you my, can disagree. Tell me what happened. Well – Because I know – You know, if, if you're a believer in Christ, everybody's got a story to tell. The, the thing is, my story isn't near as interesting as, as Saul of Tarsus or, or also <laughs> known as Paul's yeah. story is. Uh, I was one of those that – uh, you know, if they ask you, okay, what what date, what moment, what hour, what second did you uh, come to know? Did you place your faith in the Lord Jesus? And I'm sitting here telling you, I I can't uh, identify that that precise time. It was it was more of a uh, a process. Uh, it it kind of started with, like I said earlier, these these big meaning of life questions. Then it went to more of like a, an intellectual type curiosity, and, and little did I know all the time, you know, the spirits work on me. The the Lord is is either is changing or already had changed my heart, 
uh, and I was just late to the party uh, realizing that. But he gave Doug gave you gave me a couple of uh, books. I don't do you remember? Do you remember I, what the you gave me two books? I, I want. Did I give you the Gospel According to Jesus? No. Is Jesus God? No, no. I wouldn't have given you Is Jesus God. I didn't even have that one yet. It was. Uh, uh, let me think. I. I you know, my mind is blank. It's, it's uh, more than a carpenter by Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell. Th- that, yeah. that was the first the first one that I read, and then then you gave me uh, another one by Paul Little. Oh, know why you believe or what you believe. One of those. Uh, two. Know, know why you believe. Know why you believe. Yes. And uh, you know, I, I read those two books, and uh, you know, I, I was an engineer, education wise, a kind of a linear thinker, and uh, I started reading these books, and it's, it's like. You know, if if these if these claims are true, there's some there's some profound ramifications uh, from this. And uh, as I did uh, more reading, uh, I have a good friend I went to high school with. Uh, she gave me my first Bible. Uh, I got my first Bible when I was almost 30 years old, and uh, I started the, the the Word of God just uh, started to to come alive and. Uh, I, it, it, it grew from uh, an intellectual curiosity to, to a, a, a love of not only God's Word, but His Son. Mm. Well, uh, you know, that book, More Than a Carpenter, is interesting because that was the fruit of Josh McDowell's journey as an atheist or a skeptic mm. that he really said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove that this guy isn't who he said he was. And he goes in and he ends up becoming a believer because he goes, the evidence is overwhelming. And that's why I think I gave away a lot of those books because it was such a good, um, it, it was a good examination. And I think, Joe, a lot of people don't follow Christ, not because they haven't examined the evidence. It's because of the, what you said earlier, the ramifications they don't want to know that they believe ignorance is bliss for them because if they're if it's true it means they're accountable in some way shape or form and so they would rather not know so i don't believe they just blow you off with i don't believe yes or you know what i I don't care about that but if people really want to know the truth and they seek the truth he's going to reveal the truth to them and because he is the truth and uh, and I love what you said. You go back to the Word. It was only through the Word that your love for God grew. Because that's what he said. How shall they hear? Somebody has to preach the Word. And, and that preaching of the Word and teaching of the Word is what God uses in people's lives. And, and so, but when you came and you started walking those baby steps, I remember... You were part of a denomination, I think your wife was, or a, a group uh, that that I was concerned about because they had been uh, kind of cast off as not a true member of the faith, even though, and I was really concerned initially, but you know, God did something really unique in me for that time, is he pressed me not to make that an issue with you. Mm. And I really tried to, I, I hope that I never did, but I, I just prayed about that issue. And what ended up happening was you guys both ended up leaving that, that denomination 
Uh, even though I believe there's believers, you and I both know people that are believers within that particular uh, denomination, but there's a lot of people that aren't within that denomination. And um, how did, what was it? Was it just the word itself that grew you out of that? As you read, you saw this isn't right, what I'm hearing here. You remember that? Oh, I, I, I remember it vividly. And, and, and my wife actually grew up in that, in that denomination uh, and uh, it was really the the things I'm reading in the Word were not uh, consistent with the things I was hearing in this in this denomination, and uh, I needed I need a reconciliation for that. You know, I, I help me, and uh, the answers I was getting were uh, um, not consistent with what I was reading in Scripture. So, uh, you know, my wife and I both started out our faith journeys in, in very different places. But, you know, by his grace, he has uh, brought us, us along together that, so that it's a, it's, it's a, a journey and a, a joy that we've been able to share all along. Uh, it's, um, well, and it was interesting for me because I can remember prior to you really taking that step of faith and growing in it where it was visible and you were okay talking about it, she was really concerned about your salvation and she was praying for your salvation and wanted to know you were there. But then when God says, okay, Joe, I'm, I want you to start living this out. And you say, okay, God, I'm going to start doing this. Then it became a little uncomfortable for her because the things that you were seeing in scripture that weren't measuring up to the denominational stuff you were hearing you were going, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. This is not right. I remember having some conversations sure, sure. with you, and you ended up leading her as the shepherd out of that stuff, but explaining to her. And it was just neat because she, at first she didn't like some of the things, and it was like you pray for something, and then it may not look like you think, right? you know, because now God's got your heart in such a way that his word was directing you, not somebody sitting up behind a pulpit somewhere. Yes. And that's the way it should be for everybody. And there's a great danger, I think, in our culture of us looking to men instead of God's word. Because if those men are the ones we look to, if they're not pointing us to the word, Mm -hmm. that's a real problem for people because those – I think we've idolized and we have celebrities that a lot of times are leading churches around the country. And like we saw last month, one of the leaders of the Hillsong church in New York, he had a moral failure. And now all these people are disillusioned as to how he could do that because they weren't fixed on him just being an instrument. They thought he was the answer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I know we got to go to break real quick. And uh, But when we come back, I know you wanted to say something. I can see it on your face. So when we come back from the break, we're going into our last segment. And um, I would love for you to expound on what we were just talking about. And uh, for those who are listening, uh, I'm so grateful. You know, next week we are going to be doing our Christmas break for the next three weeks. We're going to be playing a best of. We'll have all our favorite programs and guests. And uh, I hope you'll enjoy those uh, over this holiday break. Taylor and I will be taking a little bit of a break. But uh, we'll be live tomorrow. And so I hope you'll join us tomorrow. And we're going to be right back with the last segment for today with Joe Cochran. And uh, thank you for listening to SWAT Radio. We'll be right back. 
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary on Guest Thursday, and I'm so glad that you are listening today uh, with my good buddy, Joe Cochran. You know, Joe, uh, one thing we have not really talked about, and I, um, I sometimes I would pinch myself flying the, the Harrier. You know, w- we flew a plane called the Widowmaker. <laughs> you and I both knew guys that, that died flying that plane mm-hmm. it it has the uh, most deaths in modern history of any in peacetime of any other aircraft any modern aircraft and yet we flew that plane survived and you flew the a uh didn't you didn't you fly the a i flew the ta i didn't i didn't I, fly I, the a i was uh, i just flew the ta oh did you yes okay so well they used to say in the a that you had a 50 hour scare and to be you had a 500 hour scare um did you ever have any close calls where you were out there and you thought you were gone uh i remember scaring myself a few times uh probably one of the we had a a series of uh, training sorties it was called low altitude uh tactics and training and it's called lat and we were we were just starting a new curriculum and where we where we were doing these uh, three dimensional maneuvers very close to the ground, and uh, it's uh, a lot of people would call it like aerobatic type flying, but the the purpose of it was to be able to evade uh, maybe shoulder fired missiles or be uh, harder to hit uh, by uh, you know small arms fire type things. But anyway, I was I did one of those maneuvers and got my as you say your get your nose buried in other words take it uh, your nose is pitched down a little more towards the ground than you than you desired and and you had to pull out using a, a few more g's than you had intended and you got a, a lot closer to the ground than you wanted yeah. and uh as you come out come out of that your you know your heart is uh <laughs> your heart been... rates up a little bit and said uh, i best not do that again 
Yeah, I, I, my, one of my big scares was in Yuma, Arizona. Did you ever do night? Uh, did you ever do night uh, ship work out in Yuma? Like you know, they had a pad out there out in the desert. Yes, I have. Okay, I it's did. Extremely dark. Oh yes, and it's it's very hard to see. And I remember one night going in, like I was going to the ship to that pad, and the Harrier. For those who are listening that don't know, is a short takeoff and landing a capable aircraft it can hover and so when you land at the ship you come in you you put you have nozzles that are that allow you to slow down and you basically are living on the engine air the thrust that comes out of the engine is pointing down and that's what's keeping the plane up but you slow down you still have forward movement about 70 miles an hour or 80 miles an hour and and then you you start a pretty steep descent down to land on the ship deck and there's a simulated ship deck in the desert and it's so dark and i remember one night coming in flying the pattern down and i had this incredible sinking feeling and i was fixated on the the ball thing you know watching that and i remember i just felt this need to add power and it was almost like i heard a voice that say power power but it wasn't the people (laughs) <laughs> calling it it wasn't over the radio because i asked them uh, and i gave i just went full power and i literally saw dirt blowing up i mm. was so low to the ground that the bushes looked like trees and there were nothing but little scrub bushes out there so i don't know how close i came i believe an angel pushed me up, <laughs> but it scared me it scared me really bad um so, but it was an exciting airplane to fly. You know, I I, I saw a F thirty five pilot not too long ago. I was on an air flying plane flight, and he said, "I was I say, man, that's got to be a cool plane to fly." He goes, "Well, you guys made it possible," and I said, well, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, I mean, you guys are the reason that we have F thirty fives today." Uh, the the Harrier guys, sure, and. It was a very innovative plight, uh, plane to fly, and I, I'm really thankful I got to do it with you. Uh, God brought us together, and, and you know, we've stayed in close touch over the years. You've been like a brother to me, and it's been really a, a good thing to have. And, you know, I got a question from Lori. She, she texted me and said, what made you start asking questions back in the 203 uh, t- time period? What what made you start? Was it the thing going on in the Middle East? Was it just life circumstances? Or was it just the spirit just moving you? I mean, what was it that caused you to start asking those purpose questions at that time? I guess the, the short answer would, would be discontent. Uh, you know, I was trying going for the next school or the next promotion, next flight designation mm-hmm. and those things were coming on at a reasonable pace and 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 as each one came it was okay well well what's next okay well well that's that's good that one's done uh what's the next one and it it again it kind of goes back to that that question i mentioned earlier you know what's the meaning of life why am i here you know you know the there's a wonderful catechism that, that asks you know what's what's the chief end of man you know the uh, the chief of end of man is to glorify god and, and to enjoy him forever uh or if you're piper by enjoying him forever <laughs> there, you know? that, there you go uh, but it, i i think it was just that personal discontent that there there has to be more out there mm-hmm. there has to be more than 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 my career 
uh, even more than my marriage, as much as I love my wonderful wife, there's, and, and, and I love my, my kids and my family and I'm incredibly blessed, but there's, there's, there's more than, than what we see in this life because well, well, you know, Joe, you said earlier, you didn't have a Damascus road experience. You can't remember the exact time. But there was a distinct difference between Joe Cochran that I saw one moment and another uh, I saw prior to that. The the Joe Cochran that I knew, I loved Joe Cochran before that because I liked flying with him and I liked being his friend going on cross countries. But you could see the discontent there. Mm-hmm. And and it was very visible, but then there was a moment where it's like, okay, you may not have said I'm in, or you may not have said whatever, but it was visible, and there was there was a, a joy there. When when did you become aware of that joy being there? You know, in other words, for you, it might not have been a Pauline Damascus Road experience, but when was it like? Can you think back, because you know what it was like before, right? Oh, sure. But when did you really, like, your wife had to have noticed, Angela had to have noticed, something changed, even though it might not have been as night and day as one specific moment in time. Was it while you were still in the Marine Corps? Was it when you were you went to work at the airlines? When was it that it became obvious? Because, like, I can look back and I can kind of know, okay, this is when it really took off for me. You know, it's like one minute you're on the runway and then, okay, I'm, right. I'm, I'm in now. I'm, I'm, I'm committed. I'm off the ground. So, you know, I became a believer shortly before I got out of the Marine Corps and, and went to the airlines. So I, I had this, had this big life change. You know, I'm going from the military, uh, you know, full-time active duty realm to the civilian realm Although I'm still flying, it's a completely different kind of flying. Uh, we're going to be moving. So to answer that question, I, I would have to say it was when my wife and I started uh, pursuing uh, uh, a life of faith together. And, mm-hmm. and, and we, we were taking baby steps. You know, where are we going to go to church? You know, let's. so we, we started in that denomination that you, you uh, mentioned – that's that's kind of where I really remember that this is now priority. You just you just basically started leading, saying, "Okay, we're I'm in on this thing. We're going." Yes, we're, I, I didn't have a clue where we were going. <laughs> I just knew I wanted to, you know, head head that direction. So before I didn't know the path before that time, were you going with her when she went, or did you just no, not go? No, I I I rarely, if ever, attended uh, church, church, church with uh, with my wife before that, okay. and. And un- unfortunately, because of that, she, you know, oftentimes, you know, she, while she would still attend, uh, she would not attend as often. So not only uh, was I not leading her, I was probably mm. directing her the other direction Yeah. before I came to know the Lord. You know, Joe, I, I know that uh, it's been it, – you have been a good encouragement to me. You've been a guy who – who's asked me hard questions at times and said hard things to me and talk just, we got about two minutes just real quick about the importance of spiritual friendship and accountability, um, over the years. Uh, cause I know you've seen it and you've seen people who haven't had it. 
Uh, and it's very obvious when people don't have it. Uh, speak a little bit about the importance of it in your life to have somebody call you and say, hey, how you doing? Oh, uh, you know, I can't overstate uh, the importance of that. And without, without you, you used the term brother earlier. Yeah. Uh, and, and and we really are brothers. Uh, I have one blood brother, and you know, by God's grace, he, he's a believer too. But I have other family members that 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 aren't in the Lord. And while I love them, Doug is more my brother than you know my family is in in so many ways. And the uh, having Christian brothers to to redirect you. Uh, to encourage you, to chastise you, uh, uh, to to make this walk with you. I, it, like I said, I, you can't over I can't overstate the importance of uh, not just Christian fellowship, but fellowship with other men. Well, you and I try to talk to each other once every week or two. I mean, probably probably I'd say every couple of weeks, or we'll try to at least reach out and say how you doing, and we try to ask about specifics with kids, with our issues that we share. You, we've both shared issues. I remember there were times that you were going through things with churches that you asked me specifically to pray for and, and help you. And, you know, so I, I'm just so grateful that God brought you into my life and our paths together. We've had some good, many, uh, meaningful experiences. And I appreciate you being on the program today, brother. It's Thanks been, for having it's me, been Doug. Fun, yeah. Fun having you. Hey, if you want to go back and listen to this, this might be a good program to share with somebody that you know that might be struggling or may have a family member struggling. Maybe it'll encourage him because Joe was on that list that I was praying for and God brought him into the kingdom, not because of me, but because God had already put him on my heart because God had a plan for Joe. So I hope you have a good rest of your uh, December 10th. I'm going to go celebrate with my wife. It's our anniversary. I hope you uh, will join us tomorrow, and uh, we'll be back. It'll be me and Taylor tomorrow. Uh, Have a great one. God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow on SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spirit.